Alright, well hey there all you DC Comics News fans, comic book fans, fans of podcasts and lists and, well, maybe the sound of my voice while you do chores. Maybe imagining that it's me doing those chores while you are reading the great comic books I'm reading or sharing with you. Whatever your reason is, I'm glad that you're here to join me for episode number 135 of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack. I'm your host, Seth Singleton. It's my pleasure each and every week to bring you my top five picks from DC Comics amongst the multitude, and and I do mean multitude. There are (laughs) 18 books out this week of January the 18th. That's a lot of books to get through. I'm not going to lie. I uh, I did my best. No, I did it all. I mean, what's what's the fun in picking a top five if you don't read all the books to pick from, which is why it's a pleasure for me to say that after going through them all, I'm starting things off with Nightwing number 88. It's doing so well. I almost feel guilty every time I continue to have it on as a book, but then it does so well that... The guilt just goes away, and the only thing I'm left with is wonder and amazement. Especially when I look at the amazing, talented team putting this book together. Still, Tom Taylor telling a great story of Nightwing that has really invigorated uh, the character, the line, and so much more. Bruno Redondo's art is brilliant. It has been phenomenal during this collection, along with Adriano Lucas's uh, beautiful colors. Lovely glow, great, nostalgic, um, (laughs) wonderful moments. Emerald Design providing the letters. Bruno Redondo with the original cover. Jamal Campbell with the variant cover. Bruno Redondo with the 125 variant cover. And a story inside. Get Grayson, Act 2. So, there's this guy named Blockbuster, also known as Roland. Not a good guy. He's big and strong and he's been around for a while and bloodhaven is pretty much his place which means he doesn't love that nightwing has shown up and made public pronouncements as dick grayson that the money he received from uh, a butler very kind alfred pennyworth is being used to bring hope and improvement to bloodhaven we're bloodhaven however you choose to pronounce it that doesn't mean that uh well blockbuster is in the mood for that And he makes the decision that there will be an assassination attempt on Dick Grayson. Now, Dick may or may not know what's happening that day or if this is the perfect venue for it. But then again, maybe he doesn't worry so much when he's got great partners looking out for him, communicating with other partners who make a very fun appearance. And this great reminder of... uh, How it is that Dick Grayson went from Robin to becoming Nightwing and the team he was with in the process? Well, they are a pure delight, and I love the way that they dismantle an assassination attempt and then give Dick the chance to suit up and go to work. Now, more fun is had when there is the confrontation with Blockbuster about the attempt, and then, ooh, and then, we get a lovely teaser for a character who is villainous and made an appearance a few issues back now and continues to haunt the shadows of, uh, of Bloodhaven. Now, how is it that this character will come to play a role later on? Well, it appears 
they might be pulling some strings. Not yet seen on the page as much, but soon perhaps to make a bigger notice. Overall, this is just one of those great books that reminds you how good comics can be, how great they can be, how well they can do all of those things that those of us who love them continue to do. And with a legacy character like Nightwing, someone who has been around for so long and done so much, it's really just a wonder to see him, well, as the most recent collected volume suggests, leaping into the light and making it look so good. Hey, that's my first pick, and I think all the reasons I just provided are sufficient. However, I'm not trying to be the only one here with a voice, so you got thoughts, you got questions, you got comments, comparisons, critiques, whatever they might be. Let me know. I'd love to hear them. It's always great to have a great conversation, even when it's one about how I got it all completely wrong, which is always a possibility, and I'm prepared for. I don't know about you, but preparing for each issue of this next book is sometimes a challenge. Who knows what could be coming through? I'm talking about Robin's Three. In part three of Being Robin, writer Tim Seeley continues the story of the sidekicks, the Robins who have worked with Batman, and how they are now pursuing a mystery of their own. We've got Baldemar Rivas on the art, Romulo Fajardo Jr. on the colors, Steve Wands on the letters, and we've got Rivas doing the cover with Marcus Toe and Tony Avila. Ooh. Yeah, it got a little blurry there on my copy. I think it's Avila uh, providing the variant cover. If I'm wrong, you just tell me, and uh, I'll do my best to get it right. So, here they are, the Robins, facing down what is a shocking possibility. Two Jokers, followed by so many of uh, <laughs> Batman's famous foes, from Penguin to Ivy to Catwoman. But that, that's not all that's going on. See, there's something called an adaptive holographic construction material. It's also called triplux, and it's essentially hard light Halloween costumes. Now, I didn't make that up. I'm stealing that from the comic, which explains all of that, and which, if you read, you'll have a chance to discover for yourself as well. The fun in that is that <laughs> now we get to see how it is that the, uh, the team is enjoying their fun. Sometimes it's neat to play dress-up. Sometimes it's just as much fun to mess around with those who are playing dress-up. And uh, the Obeya man <laughs> is the one who believes that the hostages he has tied up are reason enough for the Robins to come crashing through. Now, there's something to be said for the flightful fancies that the Robins take whenever they leap around. Um, the only thing that I think matches them is the sour, dour Red Hood, who is just <laughs> just hilarious when he faces off with a Joker wielding a crowbar, who doesn't appear to have the same venom as the Joker who once beat Jason Todd in Death in the Family. There are, of course, other exchanges, Nightwing and Catwoman, 
We also have a very large scale, oversized, villainous appearance, but this just seems to spur the Robins forward. They are powerful. They are also drawn very interestingly. They, they remind me of a style that's not one that I've seen as often. So it, it gives some great angular lines to the emotions around the eyes and the cheekbones. Um, there's something about a ferocity when it comes to Dick Grayson as Nightwing. And there is also a bit of a, uh, a danger. A, a Robin who, well, refers to themselves by an interesting name and in the process uh, appears to have gotten the advantage of one of the Robins. I'm going to let you discover who, how, and where, but all I can say with certainty is that this Robin series, issue number three out of six, is clearly approaching its high point, its potential climax, its greater degree, but there's also two more issues you know, to kind of set us up for the penultimate and then the final. How can it all play out? Well, I have only one recommendation. Pick up a copy for yourself, keep reading along, and see if those next three issues end up here on an upcoming episode of The Spinner Rack. But that's my second book, my second five out of five choice for this episode number 135 of The Spinner Rack, which means, yes, it is, it is time for me to go ahead and take a quick ad break. We'll be right back after all of the great stuff we've got to share and brag about with you. And then my third, fourth, and fifth choices. Stick around. Hi, everyone. I'm here to tell you about the DC Comics News Podcast. Here every week to talk everything DC. Movies, TV, comics, and everything in between. But don't just take my word for it. Here are a couple of our sponsors. Listen to the DC Comics News Podcast. It's audio justice. <laughs> no, no, no. It's audio chaos. These wackos are crazier than I am. Well, maybe you're both right. Regardless, you can catch us on every kind of podcast platform. Apple Podcasts. Google Play. Spotify. Stitcher. And everywhere you find great podcasts. So, um, can I go now? Let him go. He did everything you asked. <laughs> no. Hello, listeners. This is Tony Farina from DC Comics News and an occasional guest on Comics in Motion. I'm pleased to announce a new show called Indie Comics Spotlight. Each week, my guests and I will be taking a deep dive into a current title or a classic graphic novel from a publisher other than the big two. Consider this show the best of the rest. My hope is that we'll bring new readers to independent comics and give old readers a chance to share their thoughts. Join me each week in the Comics in Motion feed in your favorite podcast catcher. First, there was the DC Comics News Podcast. Then came the Spinner Rack. And now, the third show brought to you by the guys that brought you all that other stuff I just mentioned. I am the Knight. A story about the stories. A show celebrating Batman, the animated series. Week by week, 
episode by episode, just when you thought it was safe to put on a pair of headphones, I am the night. Why, hello there. I'm Seth Singleton, and I'm here to tell you about Mad Pup, a Harley Quinn cast. Harley Quinn? Harley f***ing Quinn? What have we learned from this crazy show? Making bat shark repellent relevant since 1966. Oh look, Gogurt. And we've gone completely off the rails. I hear the bat signal. Shut up and bat them, nuts. I definitely do not f*** bat. In need of an adult-sized nemesis. Humans make good fertilizer. You can't f*** with Lois Lane. For f***'s sake. I'm a damn good cop. A lot of lasers. Mmm. Educational and informative. The DC Comics News Podcast Network presents Mad Love, the Harley Quinn cast. <laughs> Back to you, Seth. So, tell us your thoughts. We'd love to hear from everyone out there. Or not. That's really up to all of you. Fuckers. Picture this. Someone who knows nothing about comics. Someone who knows comics from movies, TV, and video games. A complete ultra comics nerd. You pick the character you want us to talk about. You send us the questions you want answered. You make the show. A podcast by fans. For fans. Making new fans. Superheroes. Or dummies. Part of the Comics in Motion Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? I am Kelly Gaines for DC Comics News. I am Tony Hasty for this show. And we are here to introduce our new show, DCN After Dark. This is the late night talk show for all of the wild ideas, fascinating concepts, and scandalous tales straight from the DC Universe. We are not going to hold any punches. We are going to give all of our opinions straight off the dome, and sometimes we'll be writing it down. It is not for the faint of heart. It is not for the sensitive ears. It is not for any children. Viewer discretion is going to be advised because we are going to be swearing a lot. Yes. Yeah. And possibly, maybe by episode five, getting to our hundredth joke. Here's <laughs> <laughs> <Ears> hoping. <laughs> We're going to have guests on this show, we're going to be guests on other shows, but we're not going to finish this sentence. <laughs> off, the t- off the cuff, let's go. Off the cuff, off the cuff. Anything off, you want, anything you cuff. want. Scooby-Doo would be a better detective than Jim Gordon. There you go. That's, that is what this whole show is about. That's what the show is about. We're going to be talking about, we're going to be talking about stuff like that. Should we have seen more of the bat? Go. No, no one had to see more of the bat. No, I didn't want God damn it. Look, all right. We're going to Scooby-Doo, DCN After Dark. Check us out. Watch us without your kids. And if you were a kid, you shouldn't have even seen this promo. Drink recipes, content creation, reviews, unsolicited advice, and very inappropriate jokes. Yes. And a Santa, uh, an un- unseasonable Santa hat. Except it's season, but whatever. Check us out. <laughs> Not getting rid of the Santa hat. <laughs> Available exclusively on YouTube. So, as promised, I am back. That train uh, horn is blaring. <laughs> 
and together we have returned to share with you the wonder and the magic of Wonder Woman Evolution number three. Let me just say right now, if I was asked to uh, defend humanity, Earth, our evolution, uh, some of the not-so-good things we've done in the past, it, it, it might be a challenge. I could potentially be hard-pressed to, uh, <laughs> to mount a solid defense. There are plenty of things that make us question just how well we're really doing. Stephanie Phillips has brought that idea into a really fun story about Wonder Woman, forced to defend the Earth and its continued growth and the destruction and other disheartening developments that come with that evolution. Mike Hawthorne's pencils, Adriano Di Benedetto's inks, Jordi Belair's colors, Tom Napolitano's letters, Hawthorne and Belair's original cover and Juliet Necca variant cover make this the complete package. Why? Well, let's start out with the idea of a story that takes place in Nuremberg and a Wonder Woman who is forced to once again witness the tragedies in Germany 1945, the collapse of the Nazi regime in the World War II conflict, um, <laughs> Wonder Woman arguing with those who question the value of this war, this decision. How it is that the place where this battle is taking place, Nuremberg, it was once a seat of power to German kings, a vibrant center of arts, culture, science, infrastructure, and while not a... Uh, not quite a utopia. It, it was a place where good things had occurred and then sadly ran themselves down, became a, a sad remnant of the glories it once knew. And because of that, how it is that Wonder Woman standing amongst the cosmos must agree, yes, humans are flawed, that yes, our increasing mastery over the world is potentially dangerous, that there are concerns to be raised, as there always are going to be with each new stage. And yet, how it is that Wonder Woman is willing to argue, willing to contest. But things take on a new turn when she is brought, reunited, let's say, with Vanessa. Now, for fans of Wonder Woman's history, they will recognize Vanessa as a young girl who was angry, who was frustrated, who chose to become the Silver Swan and an enemy of Wonder Woman. And the conflicts that have existed between the two of them since this transition before it, the, uh, the history that is created for them, and the test that's laid before Wonder Woman when it comes to whether or not she can actually save the people she wants to save or whether or not they will make the choice to seek their own oblivion, seek their own downfall. In this process, Wonder Woman struggles and she recognizes that there are causes that are lost, that there are people that she still fights to save even though 
it's difficult for her to <laughs> accept the fact that these people she wants to save don't want to be saved by her, will do so much to harm her, that in the process they actually will harm themselves. And the consequences that this means for Wonder Woman, while she is, again, struggling to argue on the behalf of humanity. Uh, it's a gorgeous story that, that takes place in the past with this wonderful haze that's not sepia, but has a, a lighting that feels nostalgic, historic. And then there is the moment when all of that fades away and Wonder Woman is standing amongst those cosmic figures arguing against their beliefs about the Earth and what they think its future holds and how it will end up, while she argues for its virtues and then faces a personal test, one in which it's really hard to say that there's a an easy answer, let alone a positive resolution. But that doesn't mean that Wonder Woman is going to give up. It means she's going to try, and it means that we get to watch her struggle and then see who she is when the struggle is over and the next steps must be taken. For this reason, I'm happy to include Wonder Woman Evolution as uh, my third choice for this week's episode of the DC Comics News Spinner Rack, which makes it so easy for me to then go ahead and shift gears and talk about Nubia and the Amazons. My fourth pick, a uh, limited series, book four out of six, and this wonderful story that for me <laughs> is a delight for all the reasons that I'm always amazed how what should be a goal that's unifying is one that can be so divisive. In this story, the ties that bind Stephanie Williams and Vita Ayala tell a story with uh, Stephanie Williams' script and uh, Aletha Martinez and Daryl Banks on the pencils, Mark Morales, Daryl Banks, and Alita. Aletha Martinez on the inks, Ramula Fajardo Jr. on the colors, Daryl Banks and High Fi on the cover, Brittany Williams on the variant cover, and with that, a story in which there is the assembly of Themis and there are those who are arguing that Nubia is to blame for the revelation that Medusa is free. That there are doubts that have continued to be raised since Nubia was made queen and perhaps these signs all point to a question about whether Nubia should stay queen. Now, the challenge here is these are many powerful figures, whether it's Erito, the um, Oreretto, the chief astrologist of Themyscira, Castalia, an Amazon priestess, an interpreter of the will of the gods. There are those like Epithemy, who <laughs> raise a lot of questions and therefore challenges the idea that this questioning uh, makes them into a... Uh, a heretic. Now, the challenges being issued are that Nubia's transition to the throne left the doorway to doom unguarded, and now all of these dangerous threats face Themyscira. Don't mind me, the little dog down there apparently found something to nibble on, or maybe he's just licking paws, but I just heard him <laughs> get a little noisier. Um, now, there is a challenge 
in that Nubia has to recognize that there are valid points that have been raised against her. But then we have a chance for a great flashback to Chicago in the past, a time that feels like it might be in the late 70s, early 80s, a time in Chicago when Nubia is hunting another creature that escaped from uh, or through Doom's doorway and that she had to hunt down. Along the way, discovering a very interesting woman, um, engaging with her in some great times like walking around, um, talking a bit, developing a friendship and then a relationship and maybe, you know, potentially something more, especially after Nubia steps in and uh, subdues, very painfully, a would-be mugger. And how that this is a, a reminder for Nubia about what she did then, how she faced the challenge of something escaping and what it meant to hunt, but also the understanding that Medusa is not acting the way she has in the past, that she's relying on a new approach. And this also means that Nubia and the Amazons must consider a new approach as well. It's important to remember that the story of Medusa is one in which a woman is wronged. She's wronged by another woman, or a goddess in this case. Her only sin being considered beautiful by Poseidon, only to then have Athena become jealous of that and, through that jealousy, curse Medusa with the snakes and the power to turn people to stone. So, if a woman has been wronged and Themyscira is a place for all women, does she not deserve an opportunity to become something more, something better, something else? No. Others would say, well, her actions up to this point prove that that is not true, not possible. She doesn't deserve those things. Others will say her beginning was one of tragedy. And afterwards, she was made by stories into a monster. She was reviled. She was hated. And she was never given a chance to be anything more than the vengeful figure that we know today. What could change if a different tactic was employed? What could change if Nubia considered that possibility, took it to heart, and tried to forge a new future with Medusa? Well, first, before you can have resolution, sometimes you have to have conflict. Now, here's where it gets fun. Sometimes for a new mission, you need new weaponry. And Io, the blacksmith of Themyscira, comes to Nubia with this great sort of spear whip with a dagger. It's awesome. It coils up. It looks like it has uh, this amazing malleability that makes it very dangerous and proves to be very useful when Nubia decides to enter Doom's doorway and take on harpies and... (laughs) all the other threats that exist within Doom's doorway. Now, some things are a little bit easier than others to handle, Uh, whether it's the Harpies, whether it's the Hydra, whether it is hmm, a potential monster waiting at the end of this gauntlet. It'll be interesting to see how Nubia is able to take what she's learned into her conflict with Medusa and what together the two of them might potentially bring about if they can find a way to work together instead of against each other. That was my fourth book, 
That's right, Nubia and the Amazons number four. The dogs are getting restless. Let me go ahead and get my fifth one out of the way, and then I can get them a nice little lunch and cruise on back to reading more books because there's more Spinner Rack in store for you each and every week, which means I've got more and more books to read each and every week. My fifth and final choice, book number five of six in the limited series Black Mana. This one, a prelude to Aquaman and the story of Devil Ray. In fact, one suggested by the cover as Death by Devil Ray. Assassin of the Sea, Part 5, written by Chuck Brown, with art by Valentine Delandro, Marissa Louise on the colors, Clayton Cowles on the letters, Jorge Fornes on the original cover, Sanford Green on the variant cover. So it starts out with the story of how Devil Ray was, you know, an interesting kid. He once saw Black Manta rise out of the seas and fight with the Justice League, and, and what caught him was the, the wonder and power of Manta. Soon, he would join Manta's ranks as one of the uh, Manta men, but then he became disheartened and disillusioned. He saw the leader. He sought to uh, impress, be weaker than he wanted, become ignorant of the needs of his mantamen, use them as fodder in fruitless attempts, conquests, wars that only served to cause death, suffering, and injury for the mantamen, who for the most part, seemed less than human to Black Manta, and then set Devil Ray on his way to writing a letter, letting Black Manta know vengeance is coming, and your time in the sun, your power, your strength, they will all be taken away. But that doesn't mean that Black Manta is going down without a fight, and it doesn't mean that... Devil Ray doesn't have other potential avenues he's willing to explore. In fact, because of that, while the little dude's getting all snorry down here, Devil Ray and Black Manta suggest the possibility of working together. And what can they accomplish if they do? Well, the kinds of things you might expect from a dangerous supervillain and in most cases, a megalomaniac. But that's going to be for you to decide when you check out this amazing book and let me know what you think of Black Manor number five, all the other issues if you get the chance to catch up on the full story, which I recommend, and also what this penultimate chapter is setting up for the series, mini-series finale. It, uh, it's a delightful story. It is captured in wonderful art and gorgeous color, as are every one of these books. And I kid you not, if you go through all 18, you're going to have difficulty finding a book that isn't wonderfully drawn, beautifully colored, and <laughs> crafted with care, thought, and expert execution. Black Mana 5 is my fifth book, my five out of five choice. And with that, I bring this episode of DC Comics News Spinner Rack to a close. The snoring guy down here, that's Bruno. The other one sleeping in the corner is Fiji. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and you've been listening here on the DC Comics News Podcast Network. 
Make sure you always get the newest episodes by subscribing now on whatever platform you're listening on. We're on all the big ones if you want to tell a friend from iTunes and Google to Spotify, Stitcher, and so many more. Also, if you want to share your thoughts, comments, questions, or anything else like that, find us on your favorite social media platform. You can go to all the, the big guys like YouTube and Facebook and Tumblr and Twitter and Insta and all that. Just use the at symbol in DC Comics News. It's at capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. And when you do, you will guarantee that you get your message to us. We get to hear it and have a great conversation with you. And that's going to be it. Thanks for joining me. As we always like to say at the end of each of these episodes, always read more comics. And I'll see you back here for next time. Bye now.